You know that part of like a million movies where the bad guy is talking to the good guy and he says, we're not so different, you and I? Well, that's the UFC and the WWE. As much as a lot of MMA fans hate to admit it, the two companies are incredibly alike. You get out of my face or I'm gonna roundhouse your ass. And so with their very soon-to-be merger, we thought today would be the perfect day to talk about just how similar they really are. I'm Tommy from MMA On Point. A huge thank you to the biggest channel supporters in our Hall of Famers. And these are the 10 biggest... Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It's the similarities between the UFC and the WWE. Number 10, walkouts. In more recent times, the UFC has created a far more subdued walkout style that is more similar to boxing. Well, honestly, not even that. At least boxers can walk out dressed like Shredder or being carried on a throne. UFC fighters come out with no fanfare, dressed in uniforms, with the only form of expression being the walkout music choice. But hey, that right there is a similarity walkout songs. Going all the way back to Chemo carrying the cross, in the early days of the UFC, the spectacle of the walkout was very similar to what you would see in the WWE. And when Zufa purchased the promotion in 2001, they really laid into the WWE-style entrances for a bit there with pyro and all kinds of crazy shit. I don't want that, but I do wish the UFC would go back to these over-the-top entrances. And hey, maybe with the merger, that's exactly what we'll get. I know some of you right now are probably cursing up a storm because you hate the pageantry, but for big fights, I really do love the idea. It's a similarity that I welcome and a pretty clear one between the two companies. Number 9. Commentators There are, of course, many examples of commentators who have worked for the WWE brands and UFC brands as well. Jimmy Smith, Mauro Ronaldo, Todd Grisham. What the hell ever happened to Todd Grisham? The WWE famously wanted to steal away Goldie from the UFC in the mid-2000s, but Mike was just too much of a company man, and for his loyalty, years later they would fire him and not even acknowledge his last broadcast. And I'd rather not talk about it. But that's another similarity. The WWE treated Jim Ross like shit too, and poor Michael Cole has been getting ear beatings from Vince McMahon for decades now. Now, these examples are literal commentators who have done both, but it's really the style of commentary to me that is the reason this entry belongs. Yes, UFC commentators aren't having to talk about why one fighter just hanged another from the hell in the cell with a noose while his evil minions descended from the rafters. It's not the content, it's the style. You son of a bitch, I'm in. It's all very over the top. I know there's screaming in other sports commentary. but not like wrestling and MMA. There's a reason, after all, that so many of these commentators have done both. It very much requires these same types of skills and levels of enthusiasm. I just wish the UFC commentators would be more upset during fights. Like when Jim Ross would always call Triple H a son of a bitch back in the day. Why, Triple H, you son of a bitch? Why? Would be gold to get some of that in the UFC. I kid, they should stay impartial. Number eight, massive facilities. In many of these entries, you're going to find that the WWE does something, and then shortly thereafter, the UFC does the exact same thing, basically. A perfect example of this is the WWE Performance Center. Founded in 2013, the facility has a whole host of functions. It serves as a training facility for new wrestlers or old ones who need some refining. There's state-of-the-art gym equipment that talent can utilize for their own training needs, along with medical facilities to help 
help talent take care of their injuries and promote their overall health. It also has a fully broadcast-ready small arena that was used heavily during the pandemic, and now for the promotions NXT brand. Is any of this sounding familiar, UFC fans? Four years after the WWE's Performance Center creation, the UFC made the Performance Institute an apex facility. What do those places do? State-of-the-art training facilities for fighters, tons of gym equipment, medical staff to help with just about anything, and of course, the apex was heavily used during the pandemic and has unfortunately become a regular place for fight nights ever since. Yeah, they're literally the same thing as Soldier Boy. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I would put it, the UFC copied the WWE's whole fucking flow. Word for word, bar for bar. Number 7. Shared Athletes There's no denying that the WWE and UFC have had a long history of talent working for both brands. Back in the day, it was the likes of Ken Shamrock and Dan Severn, both of which who made their names in MMA and more specifically the UFC, before taking their authentic ability to fight and translating it to the squared circle to entertain the masses. Well, at least in Ken's case, I'm not sure Dan was ever that popular in the WWE with his sweaty gray shirts of that era as well, Tank Abbott would show up in the WCW before they were bought by the WWE. Matt Riddle was fired from the UFC and now thrives in WWE. Shayna Baszler, Ronda Rousey's third career has come in the form of wrestling for the promotion. These are just the popular examples. And of course, we're only focusing on these two major brands, but you need only watch my video on Japanese fixed fights to know that the crossover between pro wrestling and MMA is incredibly deep. And it's not all one-way traffic either. Brock Lesnar, of course, famously went from WWE champion to UFC champion. And Phil Brooks left the WWE to become the greatest fighter in UFC history. Given pro wrestling's ties to amateur wrestling and the legitimate backgrounds those athletes have, it's no surprise at all that we've seen a ton of crossover athletes between the UFC and WWE. Number 6. Developmental Leagues The UFC for a very long time has had a sort of feeder system for new talent. They get in buddy-buddy with a smaller regional promotion that kind of becomes the de facto UFC proving ground. If you can make it in a place like the LFA or Invicta, there's a a good chance that you're going to wind up in the UFC. It's not just fighters, though. Matchmaker Mick Maynard was the longtime head of Legacy before the RFA merger to become LFA. And the WWE has the same kind of system. Over the years, they have partnered with what are commonly known as developmental territories, like Ohio Valley Wrestling in the 2000s, and then more recently, Florida Championship Wrestling, which then became NXT, which is now a WWE brand that still serves very much the same capacity of being a proving ground for wrestlers before their move up to the main roster. But with the added benefit of being a WWE product for the brand to sell. The UFC has recently made their own NXT of sorts in the Contender Series, where the vast majority of new talent must come through in order to make it to the UFC equivalent of the main roster. Just because wrestling is fake doesn't mean in theory their system of assessing and acquiring new talent isn't a sound one, and that's pretty damn evident in the UFC nearly mirroring this practice exactly. Number 5. Business Models In 2014, former UFC owner Lorenzo Fertitta straight up said that they used the WWE business model 
as their blueprint for the promotion. And yeah, it's pretty damn clear, right? Both brands for the longest time were relying on pay-per-view sales, even though initially that model was not working out for MMA because of the Dark Age bans. But slowly, the Zufa-owned UFC built up that model to the point where, just like the WWE, they were having monthly must-see pay-per-view events with marquee fights at the top of the card. They even made their own WrestleMania week of sorts in International Fight Week. Both brands greatly benefited from their television deals during this time period as well. Spike was integral to the UFC's success, just as USA Network was for the WWE. As time went on, the WWE pioneered their own streaming service for their content starting in 2012, and the UFC would follow suit that next year. With the rest of the world getting on board with streaming more recently, both brands have benefited greatly through their network rights deals, and now of course they're going to be owned by the same people and run in the same fashion. But the UFC was running the WWE playbook pretty much from the start. Number 4. The Culture Despite the WWE becoming a much more family-friendly and sterile product around 2008, the decade or so prior was defined by the promotion's shift towards edgy adult-oriented content. Think Stone Cold Steve Austin chugging beers and flipping off his boss before assaulting him. Despite their massive popularity at the time, WWE was largely seen as counter-cultural given that they were challenging societal norms and were public enemy number one for parent groups right next to South Park. The UFC of this same era had a much higher hill to climb given the national bans on MMA, and so while they cleaned up the sport in regards to concerns about safety, they very much played into that male 18-34 demo with their brash branding and marketing choices just like WWE. What could be more counterculture than cage fighting after all? And it paid off hugely. During the early 2000s edgy bra phase, both brands grew into powerhouses that kept the attitude and brashness that defined them while refining their overall brand identity so that they could become acceptable forms of entertainment for the masses. So shut up, bitch! From rough around the edges savagery to corporately acceptable sterile savagery. Both companies have threaded that needle about as well as possible, and both benefited from being these over-the-top in-your-face brands that toned it down just a bit as they became more popular. Number 3. Promos It is by far the biggest in-cage slash ring similarity between pro wrestling and mixed martial arts. The art of cutting a promo. Notice how I'm not just calling these things interviews, because that's not what they are. Fighters and wrestlers aren't just talking to talk like other sports. They're selling something. It is a promotion. The hope is that their words will drum up interest in their fight or match, so that people will spend money on it. But that's not where these similarities end. Being that these are both one-on-one competitions, or I guess in wrestling there could be two-on-two, or three-on-three, or 30 guys in a ring together at once, but you know what I mean, it's fighting or a simulated one. So naturally, you see crossover in the style of these promos, because at the end of the day, they're both talking about and selling how they want to or are going to kick someone else's ass. But it's not even just that. The UFC has set up these promos to very much be like the WWE, the in-cage or in-ring interviews, the face-to-face confrontations, the face-offs, the backstage promo before or after a match. On the other side of this, the WWE has taken a page out of the UFC's book and started doing regular post-show press conferences that are still in character. The most overtly similar stuff is of course like Brock Lesnar pushing DC, but it's pretty much what you see week to week in both brands. They're doing the exact same thing to the exact same ends, and they're produced very similarly because at the end of the day, the fighters are trying to sell fights and the wrestlers are trying to sell matches. Number two, Vince and Dana. While they don't share the exact same positions of power, Dana White has always served under others as the UFC president. While Vince McMahon has been the chairman and owner of the WWE, they both serve as the figurehead publicly for their brands. In fact, these guys are pretty much the same person. Both are brash in their decision-making, over the top in their personalities, are willing to spar with the media, which they really don't like very much. Any other stupid questions? Have a propensity to exaggerate in their promotion and pretty much 
much anything else, have been known to be absolutely ruthless at times when it comes to their business decisions, are completely jacked up out of their minds, have become pop culture figures beyond the typical CEO in large part because of their visibility within their brands. Both have branched out into side projects that have ultimately been seen as failures. Both men have a slew of scandals attached to their names. They're both considered innovators in their respective forms of entertainment, and both of them are going to be doing what they do until the day they die. It's kind of funny, but I guess not at all surprising that the two had a bit of friction back in the day, given how similar they are to each other, but it seems now that they're working together and are no longer threats to each other, I can't think of two more perfect peas in a pod. Number one, they bought the competition. It is without a doubt their biggest similarity, monopolies created by swallowing up all their major competition. In 2001, WWE's biggest competitor, WCW, was hemorrhaging money and was unwanted by their longtime TV partner, AOL Time Warner, making the brand dead as disco. Before anybody could do anything else with it, McMahon purchased the brand, their video library, and some of their talent for a measly three million bucks. At that same time, the other major North American wrestling brand, ECW, went out of business, and their copyright and video library were snatched up by the WWE as well. Moves that on the surface were more symbolic of the WWE's dominance, but that would turn out to be very fruitful once streaming services became popular, and all that old content was owned by Vinny Mac. If you're a UFC fan, all of this is sounding very familiar. As Zufa would purchase the WEC Strike Force and most importantly Pride FC in similar fashions, taking these brands at weak points and swallowing them up before they could form into some other bit of competition. Now, both companies of course do have competing brands still today, but both are clear top dogs and are synonymous with their form of entertainment. Casuals call MMA UFC, casuals call wrestling WWE, or probably WWF still, honestly. That's not an accident. They're the default brands now because they made sure that nobody else could get a foothold. You know who has a monopoly on awesomeness? The editor of this video, Luke Taylor. Please follow his socials and like every tweet of his going back to 2014. Big thanks to Ben Rosette as well for providing the soundtrack, follow him too, and the biggest of thank yous to our channel champions. If you love On Point and want even more exclusive content or want to have a voice in the creation process for our videos, consider becoming a member by clicking the join button below the video. Like and subscribe for more On Point On Pointness. What are some similarities we didn't touch on? Let me know in the comments below. And thanks for watching, guys. Stay safe and drink lots of water.